Good evening, everybody. Welcome inside our Bluebell Studios here for the weekly Villanova basketball report. Bob Long is here. Alongside me is Kevin McLernan in Baltimore. Should have a great show. We had a great one last week with Tony Morelli from Tony's Takes on St. Joe's Campus, a radio show there. We had a great discussion leading into what was a very interesting Holy War game on the 8th of December one that Kevin was very much shrouded by Charlie Brown not playing in the game, uh, something that we knew was a possibility, but certainly unfortunate in the spirit of Big Five and what you might want to see in a rivalry game like that. But nonetheless, Villanova was able to dispatch the St. Joseph's Hawks in that matchup, and it was certainly an important one, as we'll see in, in just a second. Uh, you know, We have a, an opportunity, if you're a Villanova fan, to beat Penn, and win the Big Five for the sixth straight year. So uh, a big week for Villanova, win over Temple, a pretty darn good team where you led really for you know about the last 10 minutes. But prior to that, Temple had a five-point lead in the second half, and Villanova didn't have the offense going, and then able to really put St. Joe's away in the second half. A late run brings St. Joe's back into it, and a couple big shots by the Cats finish it off. But, Kevin, your thoughts on what the Cats did last week, and as we – move towards conference play where this team is evolving. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I wish uh, it could have been a closer game, but uh, they got the W. Um, I, I thought the bench was huge in the game. And, I mean, those guys hitting the, those shots off the bench, and, I mean, this this is going to have to be a deep team um, throughout the year, and I thought that's what they're really improving on throughout the last couple of games. What did you think about Phil Booth and, and the big shot that he hit down the stretch? Yeah, I mean – I've said it before, he thinks he's the guy, but he might not necessarily be. But, I mean, he hit that big shot. And, I mean, he has hit big shots before. So, um, if he's going to be that guy for this team, um, the confidence is certainly already there for Phil Booth. This is the Villanova Basketball Report. It is live here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long here, Kevin McLernan sitting in Baltimore, previewing the Villanova versus Penn game this week. And, of course, a big Saturday afternoon tilt against the University of Kansas. That's high noon uh, as they take on the Jayhawks in Allen Fieldhouse. That'll be the first matchup that the Cats have against the Jayhawks, of course, since last April where they took down the Kansas Jayhawks by 12, by 16 points, I should say, in San Antonio and went on to win the national championship. Kevin, a bit of a different-looking Kansas team this year. Uh, Azabuki, who really didn't play a role at all in that semifinal, is hurt with a high ankle sprain. He's not expected to be back until January. But there are lots of other strong players on this team. LeGerald Vick put up 27 points against Stanford, but in the time since has had a little bit of issues from a Bill Self and a coaching perspective, was late to a shoot-around, uh, was not giving the proper effort in practice per Bill Self, and only scored five points combined in starters' minutes over the last through uh, two games. And so, you know, Dotson's been been pretty good. Grimes has been that super freshman that has been okay to, to pretty good but hasn't quite hit those uh, escalating heights that people wanted for him to start his freshman campaign. What do you think about this Kansas team? They're going to be ranked number one here this week, but they've also trailed by seven or more points in six of the eight games they've played so far this year. Yeah, I mean, definitely a more talented team than Villanova. Um, like you said, they, they lost some players, and as Boogie's not playing, uh, Devontae Graham left, um, but still kept a, a bunch of good players and a, a very good 
uh, recruiting class in. So this team is talented, but they they have yet to figure it all out either. Diedrich Lawson is one of the guys that I'm really looking for in this game, and I think Villanova is going to get fortunate that Azubuki is not going to be available to play. Now, Kevin, we talked about this a lot last year going into that game against Kansas in the Final Four. Villanova could take Azubuki out of the basketball game because they had four guys, five guys at times on the floor that could all shoot the three, and Azubuki quite simply is not comfortable getting out and doing that against this Villanova team where it's Cosby Roundtree leading the way defensively, and frankly, the guy that would have been called on to guard Azabuki, all of a sudden that goes out the window, and that strategy, that gameplay, you would have needed to now engineer more high ball screens, switches, and picks to be able to force Azabuki to cover on the outside to, in that particular set of strategic elements, then get him eventually off the floor. Uh, Villeneuve's not going to need to deal with that. It's going to be Diedrich Lawson, and I think that it's going to be Demir Cosby Roundtree, the guy that's going to be asked to stand up and hang with a guy who's got as good a footwork for any big man as I've seen in college basketball. Cosby Roundtree has shown himself to be a very adequate to very good, at times, defender, and I think that's going to be a key matchup in this game. As Buki, I mean, he is a center and in a college center, and he, he doesn't cover uh, outside. So, I mean, as we saw in the national semifinal, I, I mean, they really did take advantage of that. And um, not having to deal with that and him inside, I think, is a plus. But, I mean, like defensively, they could have also taken advantage. Yeah, it's very interesting. And so that's the Kansas game. That's on Saturday. It's a noon tip. And it should be a very, very interesting game as the Cats take on the Kansas Jayhawks. But it's time at this point for our opening tip here on the Villanova Basketball Report where we talk about the big story that we have going into this week. Now you might think, okay, Kansas, that's the big story. That's our opening tip. Yes, it is. But look at the whiteboard behind me. The sixth straight Big Five title is on the line on Tuesday night, tomorrow, as the Cats go down to the Plestra to take on the Penn Quakers. For me, Kev, that's the big story. A game against Kansas is huge. Going to Allen Fieldhouse, if I'm honest with myself, is the bigger story from a historical context because you just don't get that true road game against Kansas very often. However, however, 25 straight Big Five wins, six straight titles on the line. We'll argue that they're both opening tip-worthy stories. Let's talk about this Penn game a little bit and deal back and uh, deal with the Temple and the St. Joe's games as well. I thought, Kev, that this was the year, that this was the year that a team would have the opportunity to beat Villanova and end this streak. And now I hate to go all Alan Shipnuck on us here, changing sports to the golf side, with his article about the Ryder Cup and the U.S. going on this six to seven um, year and even uh, you know an entire, uh, with the two, two years in between Ryder Cups, you could be looking at 12 years to 14 years, a level of dominance because of the young guys that were coming up in golf. So at the risk of doing that, this was the year for these teams to do it. Villanova comes in with its best recruiting class since Muftal Yaru, Dom Cheek, and all those guys. They're not yet adjusted. The four guys go to the NBA. But now those guys next year will be a year older, a year more mature. There's a better recruiting class that's coming in versus the class that's this year. Villanova will eventually miss Phil Booth and Eric Paschal coming in next year. But you know, I would argue that the way Villanova is going, unless something derails it and something could be, you know, Jay taking another coaching job, et cetera, not that I see it happening, but 
the way the train is running, it feels to me like this was the year for another team to beat Villanova in the Big Five. And if they take down Penn, which it seems like they should, this would be an opportunity miss for the rest of the Big Five teams to derail Villanova's winning streak, which now sits at 25 straight games. Oh, 100%. Um, I, ne- I didn't necessarily think it was going to happen this year. Um, but, I mean, like you said, if, if they wanted to do it, this was the year, especially after how uh, Nova looked in the first three, four games of the year. Uh, I mean, you, you looked at them and you thought vulnerability in, in this uh, big five, but uh, it looks like, like you said, they're going to get it done again. So do you think there's any shot that Penn takes down Villanova this weekend? I don't think so. No, yeah, I'm taking Nova in the game. I mean, there's definitely a shot, but I'll give it 10%. 10%. That's actually not too bad of odds, to be honest with you, my friend. It's a game at the Palestra. It should be a good one. Always a great atmosphere at the Cathedral of College Basketball. Really a mecca and a pilgrimage of, folk, of sorts for folks that are making their way down to the Palestra. It's uh, one of the oldest venues in college basketball. It's actually hosted more college basketball games than any other venue uh, in the country and has hosted more NCAA tournament games than any other venue in the country there's a little bit a little factoid for you there kev but uh i think that villanova is going to be able to control the pace they're going to be able to control possession i also think they're going to be able to control the glass aj broder is a very solid player inside but i think the length of demir cosby roundtree is going to provide him a lot of issues Uh, they have guys that can shoot the three that can and has been an issue for villanova defensively i think that's certainly an opportunity for penn if they can come in and shoot the lights out anything can happen especially when you see a villanova team that struggled to go above 40 percent at times from the field they're hanging around 30 percent from beyond the three-point line Uh, so anything can happen when you're playing with that much let's call it inefficiency on the offensive side of the basketball but I also think you have to give a little bit of credit to the way that Temple played defense, for example, and even St. Joe's played decent defense against the Cats. I think that they're going to have an easier time against the University of Pennsylvania. But, Kev, I think it is fair to take a step back and take a look at those two games and ask ourselves, did Villanova play uh, you know, a, a solid style of basketball? Did they play their best offensive game against Temple and St. Joe's? I'd say the answer is no, but I'd leave it to you for a little bit more detail. Yeah, I still think um, they still have to find their identity. They're getting there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, they still have to get um, their offense in the in the flow of things, I would say. Um, I mean, what are they, seven, eight games now into the season, and you, you still don't have your full, I guess, I can't even think of the words I'm looking for here. Um, but uh, I, would, I think they're going to play uh, better the next two games offensively. Well, I think it's important that they do because it leads into the Big East play, and then there's also one more game at Madison Square Garden against a traditional rival, the University of Connecticut. But, you know, if if they take care of business against Penn um, and then they have the opportunity against Kansas, you're looking at two teams that really haven't found themselves yet. And like I said at the top of the broadcast, that's really surprising to hear because Kansas has been – so, well, it's seemingly so good. 8-0, about to be the number one team in the country because Gonzaga lost. Beat Tennessee in overtime, who took care of Gonzaga. And that's kind of like a love triangle right there, those three teams, as they go back and forth at the top of the rankings. I mean, all that would lead you to believe 
Kansas is playing great, but a three-point win against New Mexico State, a overtime win against an average Stanford team, and what I've seen is you know some defensive trends that uh, aren't exactly what you'd like. They're a team that can lock down when they need to on a specific half-court possession, but Kevin, I've also seen them be lazy getting back in transition. I've also seen them struggle with high pick and roll. And I've also seen them struggle with a, a drive, you know, a penetration and a collapsing defender, which allows another team, the offense, to kick the ball and hit a three-pointer wide open against Kansas. Uh, oh, by the way, that sounds a little bit familiar to another team that we're talking about here in Villanova. So I think it'll be an interesting game because neither of these teams, both of which have a lot of guys in different roles than last year, both of which went to the Final Four, uh, they're going to find themselves in a certain way leading into conference play. Yeah, this is a, a Kansas team that also lost to Sousa. Um, so, I mean, b- both of their big men are out. Uh, Lawson came in, but, I mean, still that inexperience. And I always thought that Bill Self uh, never gets the full effort out of his players. I don't know if it's his coaching style that he doesn't uh, um, force it upon them, but I- I've always thought that way about his teams. What do you think about LeGerald Vic? Uh, Vic being a guy that is so good and is as good a shooter as you'll find and a rhythm guy and scores 27 points against Stanford single-handedly the reason why they win that basketball game but then you know he shows up late for a shoot around then he spends a week you know slacking off in practice as per Bill Self and he still got starters minutes in those games his punishment was not to start but he played starters minutes and he goes out there and he scores a total of five points. I mean, what can we expect from LeGerald Vick when he comes in to play Villanova? Yeah, I mean, Vick is a guy who went through the entire NBA draft pro- uh, process last year and then decided to come back and then almost didn't have a spot on the team. Um, but still a very talented guy, uh, lockdown defender if he wants to be, and uh, really lethal from the corners from three. Um, but, I mean, all those things you said, it, what is going on with his relationship uh, with Self and his team if he's not given 100%? The other guys I really wanted to talk about was Lawson, of course. We mentioned him at the top of the broadcast. Uh, Quentin Grimes is a true freshman. What do you think about Grimes and, and his ability you know, to space the floor and come in and provide that, that jolt, whether he's coming off the bench or, or if he gets a starting spot? I think it definitely helps him out, kind of giving some of what uh, they got from Devontae Graham last year and the ability to hit those shots from outside and space the floor, uh, but still uh, very inexperienced and uh, still makes freshman mistakes. It'll be the Villanova Wildcats against the Kansas Jayhawks. That's Saturday at noon. Bob Long here, Kevin McClernand on the the phone, on the Skype here, uh, live on the Villanova basketball report. So, while we're reporting on Villanova basketball, as our title says, let's talk a little bit about report cards. If you had to evaluate where this team is, probably better to call it a progress report if we're completely honest with ourselves. What do you think? I mean, where would you, where would you evaluate this team right now? Let's go with the big men and then with the guard play. Where would you evaluate where this team is right now as a whole, and how does that lead to a possible prediction for Saturday's game? So you're looking not towards what they've done this year, but where they are at right now? Yeah, it's called a progress report. Um, I mean, it's. I think they're at least better than what I thought, but still not great. I'll give the big man a B. 
uh, for right now, what they're at. And probably uh, I'll give it B plus for the, for the guards. Okay. Yeah, my, my thoughts there, I'll give the guards a B. Um, probably give the big men, let's call them a C plus. I feel like a C plus student is a guy who uh, shows promise but maybe isn't consistent enough, either from a studying perspective or testing perspective. That's the name of the game with Eric Paschal in particular. A guy who can absolutely light it up from three, and we saw that against Oklahoma State. And then a guy who can go 0 for 6 from three and you know, and can make two buckets on 15 shots, kind of like what we saw against Temple. You know, Eric Pascal has been really, really struggling to be consistent from the field. I think he's struggled at times to stay in control himself. He's had too many offensive fouls. Uh, he's just putting his head down and dribbling. And at some point, he's a good enough passer. He needs to be able to understand where guys are, understanding that there's a defender crashing to him, or understanding that he's about to lower his shoulder and go through a defender, and that he can't do that either. You know, I think Eric Pascal, with consistency that we saw against Oklahoma State, has the chance to be a first-team All-Big East type of guy. Uh, you know, even an All-American guy on the second or the third team, if he were to play consistently. Clearly. Not happening at this point, but my concern there is, is that going to improve? Because we even go back to last year where he didn't have to play that primary role as a primary scorer for this team, and he goes out there and has the game of his life against Kansas. It's a good thing for Villanova fans. They might you know, not be in the same position they are right now as reigning national champions if he doesn't absolutely go off against Kansas, but then you see efforts where he really doesn't have much going. And in a game, in a team like this, where he's expected to be the guy, you know, that was okay last year. It's not quite okay this year. So I'll give the big men a, a C-plus, kind of led by, driven by Eric Paschal. From a Demir Cosby Roundtree side, I'd give him personally an A-minus, a guy who I think we didn't quite know what the role was going to be coming into this year. He's shown himself to be a very capable offensive rebound. He rebounder, he's actually been able to put the ball on the pavement a little bit and drive to the hoop in very one-off instances from an offensive moves perspective. He's improved his footwork considerably, and, and I think he's been pretty good. The one thing I want to see more of, and I think he'll be tested a lot in Big East play, is guarding the high ball screen, and can he hang with a guy on the outside. What's that going to look like when he is purely isolated the way Villanova isolated Yudoka Azabuki in last year's national semifinal? So on the big guys, that's kind of my thought. On the guards, I think Colin Gillespie's done a good job. Uh, I'm hearing Kevin a lot people say a lot of people saying that maybe Colin Gillespie, this is kind of just what he what he is. Um, that that he's a step slow, that uh, he's a good but not necessarily a world-class three-point shooter, and that he's not necessarily going to beat guys off the dribble. I understand to an extent people saying that, and, and frankly I can kind of understand wh why they believe that for one reason or another, right or wrong. I think back to a guy that a lot of people compare him to, which is Ryan Archie Diacono, and a guy a guy that people didn't think was going to be quick enough either in a very similar situation, a guy that got lots of playing time early in his career, ended up running the show as a point guard by his sophomore year, and quite frankly, looks like Ryan Archie Diacono. Well, Arch absolutely got quick enough by the end, uh, and he 
just continued to improve over his four years. I think just like you've seen with Phil Booth improve from a sophomore to a senior. You know, I think just the way you saw with Scotty Reynolds improving from a sophomore to a senior, although Scotty was a much more experienced scorer early on, I think Colin can continue to make those steps and can be a top-of-the-rotation, a top-of-the-country type point guard by the time he's a senior. You don't have to be an elite athlete as long as you know how and to where to uh, use your body and your strengths. I mean, Arch is playing in the NBA right now, and uh, if that's his, if people really compare him to that, um, and they they believe in the comparison, then I mean, you obviously think Gillespie can do it. Also, it's a different position and a different team, but we're talking about Kansas. Dedrick Lawson. I mean, does he jump off the page at you athletically? Oh, no. Or is it because he has the, some of the best footwork and finishing skills in the game? He's not jumping over you. He's not running past you. Uh, he's just beating you because he's a smarter basketball player and a better big man from a purely fundamental perspective. And it's it's different, but it's a similar discussion for sure. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, technique, footwork, um, I mean, knowledge of the game is going to beat uh, athleticism a lot of the time. All right, Kev, so that's kind of the week that was and the week that will be. Anything we missed, any any burning topics that you wanted to chat about, either Temple, St. Joe's, I feel like we kind of blew through those a little bit, uh, or the Penn, Kansas back-to-back that Villanova has coming up this week. I mean, I think the Kansas game is really going to kind of give us an idea where this team's at uh, on a national level. Uh, given that, I mean, they will be playing the number one team in the country, um, and they will be uh, outclassed, at least talent-wise, I believe, in Kansas. Um, so I think it's going to give us a good benchmark of where this team is at. All right, folks, before we go to the break, we got some folks tuning in on Facebook. We appreciate it. We'll take the comments live from the audience. Uh, we got Ryan Lennox tuning in. Appreciate Ryan Lennox. Ryan is the... Um, he does the studio uh, hosting, and he does the board ops for the Villanova, Bas- uh, Villanova Basketball Radio broadcast. So he, he does a great job um, teeing it up for all the guys that are down on the floor, um, Ryan and Whitey. So uh, appreciate Ryan tuning in. He says Pascal and Roundtree. He thinks they're the X-Factors, and also that their foul trouble is an issue. Kevin, I, I couldn't agree any more with that. And kind of what we were talking about during our report card segment, that Eric Pascal is the guy feast or famine, also gets into foul trouble. And then Roundtree, I'll ad-lib what I think he's saying as well, a depth issue from the front court. If Eric Pascal isn't hitting shots and gets into foul trouble and you're counting on Roundtree and maybe he picks up one or two, who's next? Uh, Dylan Pater was never going to be that guy to play 30 minutes for you, but he was the guy that could pick up a couple minutes off the bench. You know, now you're talking about Sadiq Bey playing up a position and having to take on the other team's best post player. I think that's absolutely a fair point from Ryan about those two guys being X-Factors for this team. Yeah, and the problem is, if that's in the back of Pascal and Roundtree's minds, are they playing uh, conservative in the beginning of the game to avoid fouls? And um, if they are, then that's a big problem. Other one we have from Dave, Dave Buzzard. Appreciate him checking in. Villanova's two losses really don't look all that bad considering they're against teams ranked number five and number 23. Also agree. Also agree with that one. Uh, The way that they lost to number five and that they lost to Furman. Throw whatever number you want behind that name. That's great. 
that's a bad loss in my opinion, uh, especially the way that they lost it. You're losing an overtime game at home, getting outplayed by a team, you know, that has more more composure than you. If Furman has more composure, you know, down the stretch than Villanova, that's a struggle. That's a problem. Uh, that said, the whole the whole year is in front of them. That's not going to matter as they go into Big East play. If they can take care of business in Big East play, they'll be a three seed, a four seed in the NCAA tournament. Perhaps better if they can win a lot of games, but I think they'll lose their share. And they'll be fine, and they'll have an opportunity to lose from those games. And clearly, I would say, I would say even already, uh, this is a different basketball team than what we saw against Michigan. I could be eating my words on Saturday at around 2.30, and Villanova could get smacked again by a pretty good team in Kansas because, in truthfulness, St. Joe's didn't have their best player on the floor, still got it down to six points in the last couple minutes. Temple, in many ways, could have and should have won that basketball game. Are they for real? It's tough for me to say at this point. So they've played two pretty solid teams, and they've gotten beaten by both of them, one of which was very embarrassing. So these grades we've given them that we're talking about, you know, none of these are A's, and the reason in part is because they haven't been able to be consistent against teams of quality. Uh, that's what the non-conference play is for, and that's what happens when you lose to four starters to the NBA. Well, three and Dante DiVincenzo, the, the country's best sixth man. But So I think that's why this game and University of Connecticut are pretty decent litmus tests for the Villanova Wildcats, and, and I think that's huge. Kev, what do you think? I think I said this uh, on our last one, but, I mean, if you told me they had two losses at this point in the season, I, I wouldn't have been too upset, uh, just given how young and inexperienced they are together. Um, but it was the way and who they lost to. I mean, that Michigan game, you're saying the consistency about the players was exactly on point, but everybody had a bad game that day, and uh, it was just an awful way to kind of start the season and then end also losing to Furman. Uh, like you said, no matter what number is in front of that, it's, it's still going to look like a bad loss to us. That is our opening tip here on the Villanova Basketball Report. Bob Long here in studio. Kevin McLernan joining us from our, uh, our ancillary Baltimore studios, Skyping in here tonight. So we appreciate everybody being with us. On the other side, we hit the whiteboard. It's always a great part of the show. We're going to break down what Villanova did so well to recognize a change in St. Joseph's defense. Uh, my man Kevin Long, not with us here tonight, but he was sitting next to me at the Villanova game, and I was audibly, audibly enthused when I saw what Villanova did right after St. Joe's went to the zone. I'm going to talk about that, and then I'm going to talk about this game against Kansas and what Villanova can do to stop Kansas and how they can exploit Kansas defensively. So stay with us, and we'll be right back on the other side here on the Villanova Basketball Report. And welcome back inside the Villanova Basketball Report. Bob Long here in studio for V's and O's. It's our, one of our favorite segments here as we go to the whiteboard and we're going to break down one of the concepts that Villanova either uh, exuded in the last game, what they did well, 
or what really burned them and look forward to what's going to go on in next week's contest. Let's talk about the Villanova versus St. Joe's game. I'm going to grab a red pen here because we're going to highlight the Hawks in the red. Villanova played St. Joe's on Saturday and St. Joe's for about the most of the first half went almost exclusively man-to-man. But then one possession midway through the first half and St. Joe's went zone. So they had the three right here and then the two guards out here guarding, let's say it's Colin Gillespie bringing up the basketball, right? In this case, Phil Booth was over here as well and they had Sadiq Bay right here running the baseline. Well, as Nova starts to move the ball back and forth here, uh, on the first possession, they bring the ball down, and as they're trying to space things out here, these guys for St. Joe's creep up just a little bit as they anticipate Villanova perhaps bringing the ball out to the middle of the floor here or hitting somebody on the ring on the wing. Well, what Villanova adjusted so well with was understanding that if you're in a zone, there's nobody in, sp- in particular that you're trying to guard. You're guarding a space, obviously. That's the concept behind it. So Booth with the basketball sees Sadiq Bay, makes eye contact, and Booth goes streaking along the baseline right here. Booth with the lob, Bay with the uh, alley-oop slam. It was an absolutely unbelievable recognition play design, and make no mistake about it, Villanova knew that that was going to come. They knew that St. Joe's, and we talked about it on the show leading into this week, St. Joe's is a team that loves to switch into and out of the zone, and it counts on teams not being ready for it, not having something ready and not having a concept by which they're going to go after it and, uh, and attack the zone properly. That was a fantastic way to start it off. Now for the rest of the half, these guys right here can't press forward too much. They have to be cognizant of the guy running baseline, which also is going to open up more space here in the lane over the course of the game. So it was an absolutely fantastic defensive or offensive uh, response to what St. Joe's did defensively. All right, let's now take a look at Villanova against Kansas and what they have an opportunity to do on this side of the floor. Kansas has a very interesting, let's go with the defensive side of it, a defensive output because they're going to have Diedrich Lawson. They play almost exclusively man-to-man, so this concept goes right out the window. On the defensive side, Diedrich Lawson here. We'll put Dotson out here. And uh, they have a few other guys that they're going to pretty much, because they have mostly guys that are 6'4 or shorter, uh, they're going to be guarding on the perimeter as Villanova likes to play as well. Maybe you have Demir Cosby Roundtree. I could see that in here for the Wildcats uh, against Diedrich Lawson. Uh, we're going to put Colin Gillespie out here. We're going to put Phil Booth out here and Sadiq Bay out here. Villanova, I think, has a huge opportunity to use Demir Cosby Roundtree on the high pick and roll because Kansas has struggled big time with that. New Mexico State and Stanford really struggled in that respect. So here's what Villanova has the opportunity to do. If Colin Gillespie has the basketball here, Villanova in red in this specific instance, uh, he has an opportunity to take him around here. You're going to take on a much slower Diedrich Lawson, and you're going to force Diedrich Lawson to either hedge out here and allow Dotson to come back and cover Gillespie, or they're just going to outright switch, and now you have Dotson having to cover Demir Cosby Roundtree. If I'm Kansas, I'm just making the switch right away because Lawson, while a step slow, you know, I think has the opportunity to stay with a Colin Gillespie 
And Dotson versus Demir Cosby Roundtree is um, – Cosby Roundtree just isn't a fantastic offensive player yet. The guy that I really think can stretch this out is going to be Sadiq Bey, again, running the baseline the way he likes to. And the other guy is a guy that's coming off the bench. That's Joe Cremo. Kansas' three-point defense has been brutal at times because any type of drive – will collapse a couple defenders here on the Kansas side, and it opens up the kick opportunity. Stanford was absolutely unbelievable with that. A couple huge offensive rebounds as well, and kicks out for three were big turning points in that game that gave Stanford big leads and really pushed them to the brink of winning at the fog, which is very, very difficult to do. So I think Villanova's ability to space the floor, and we're going to talk about this all year, with the way they run their offense, they need somebody to sit there and knock down the three ball. So far it's been Joe Cremo. Sadiq Bey showed the opportunity to do it as well, and I think Cole Swider in time can be that guy. Phil Booth is going to have to take on more of a ball-handling role, I think, in this game. Uh, he's a guy that takes a lot of shots. Frankly, I don't think runs the offense through all five guys on the floor as much as, say, Gillespie, but he's also a shot maker who I think hasn't quite been playing his game over the last two to three contests. I think he's going to be big in this one. I think I mentioned Cremo. He's going to be big in this one. And then Villanova's ability to utilize the high ball screen and how Kansas is going to react. Remember, we put up a very similar graphic before last year's Final Four game just with five guys on the floor that could shoot it at a high percentage at any given time. That changes the narrative a little bit, but the way that Villanova beat Kansas in that game is a blueprint to beat this same Kansas team. As Abuki's not going to be on the floor, but Diedrich Lawson has the same type of shortcomings that Azabuki does in terms of guarding the outside. And Villanova, if they have an idea and an ability to execute, uh, they can certainly exploit that. So that's our V's and O's here. Villanova recognizes the zone unbelievably and beats it on the first play against St. Joe's. Had me jumping out of my seat. I'm a basketball nerd. Love that adjustment. And then Kansas. How can Villanova utilize space to open up the three-point line, create some switches, and make life difficult on the Kansas's exclusive man-to-man -man defense? That's what I'll be looking for this weekend. Thanks, everybody, for being with us on V's and O's. More Villanova basketball report coming up right after this. Welcome back in, everybody, to the Villanova Basketball Report live here on Bob Long Sports with Bob Long and Kevin McClernand alongside. So, Kevin, the whiteboard session comes, goes. You heard a lot about what we were talking there. Anything stand out to you, either how Villanova attacked the zone in the St. Joe's game or the expectations for Kansas as Villanova offensively looks to tailor and tink and dunk and, and find a way to take on these Kansas Jayhawks? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with uh, the threes comment. I mean, this is a team that hit 18 threes last year in the Final Four against them, and seven of them coming from Pascal Booth and Gillespie. So uh, they know the blueprint uh, on how to beat them. Uh, it's just going to be whether they can execute it and hit the shots. Okay, so let's get into that part of the show where we're making our prognostications before we 
get to the, the full-on uh, pick them. But let's start with this game. Villanova, Kansas. It's a 12 o'clock tip at Allen Fieldhouse. What do you think and why? I think Kansas is going to win the game. Like I said, uh, they're the more talented team. They haven't uh, put it all together yet either. Um, so it might be a little sloppy of a game for both teams. Uh, I think the X factor is the fact that it is it, at Kansas. Uh, that is one heck of a place to play uh, and a great atmosphere, and it's going to be tough for this team to win uh, at Kansas, I think. Tell you what, Villanova's kind of had their number, and I don't know if I'm picking Villanova. I should probably figure it out because that's what we're doing right now, picking the game. But I think that this game has an opportunity to be very close, and I don't know if it's my uh, navy blue sunglasses versus my royal blue and red sunglasses here, but I I think Villanova can absolutely win this game because as inconsistent as Villanova has been, so is Kansas. I think if you reverse the schedules, I happen to think that Kansas would beat Furman at Allen Fieldhouse. But yeah, I think that Kansas would have gotten beaten by about 20 points the way Michigan played that night and played against North Carolina. Maybe not the way they played against South Carolina, but, uh, you know, and this is Michigan now, the teams I'm talking about that Michigan played. I think Michigan would have done a lot of the same. And in the meantime, Villanova's done pretty well. They've beaten Oklahoma State where they shot the lights out. That's another Big 12 team. They beat Florida State, obviously. We can go over the resume. Uh, But then I left very unimpressed with the way they played uh, until about the last 10 minutes against Temple. I came away very unimpressed about the way they played in the last 10 minutes against St. Joe's. Can they put together 40 minutes of basketball? I'm not sure. I think they're good enough to beat Kansas, but I think Kansas finds a way at the fog to win that basketball game, and it will be, whether it's credit to Kansas or not, it'll be a five-minute lull where you don't have a field goal that I think does Villanova in, and that will be the difference. So I got Villanova beating Penn on Tuesday, winning their sixth straight Big Five championship, 26th straight win in the Big Five. Again, never been done before. It's just about doubling uh, what the second-best run has ever been, which also was Villanova 2004 to 2007, where they had 14 straight wins. And then I think they have two huge tests coming up. Kansas certainly more daunting than UConn, but UConn a very traditional rival, and I think uh, Kansas wins that one on Saturday. We'll address that UConn one in next week's show. So with that said, Kev, I, maybe it's time to go to the pick'em for tonight. We... Uh, well, we always have this ready to go. We, we have the pick display, but unfortunately, Kevin is going to be an O for tonight uh, unless he's able to text us in in the, in the very near future. But Kevin McLernan, who you got? So we have Virginia Tech playing Washington at Boardwalk Hall and uh, Virginia Tech as a three-point favorite. Yeah, I think I like the Hokies in that one, Kev. I, I think that the three-point edge put them on a neutral floor Gotta love Buzz. Big fan of Buzz Williams. And uh, Washington guys anywhere near Philadelphia, I don't know that I trust them. Football or basketball. So I think UW struggles. That's a, that's a low blow with the Washington, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm taking Virginia Tech. Also, uh, traveling that far across the country, it's going to be a tough game for Washington. Uh, they did uh, only lose to Gonzaga by two, though, so... They are capable of playing pretty pretty good basketball. Very much so. I totally agree. Uh, then we have Gonzaga, seven-point favorites at North Carolina. Wow. Wow. 
I think I like Gonzaga in this game. I don't know that I buy into North Carolina at this point. Tremendous athletes, yes. I think as a lot of people that have followed this show for years may know, I'm not a huge Roy Williams guy. I find that his get-up-and-run style doesn't always promote the ball control that I think you'd want. And North Carolina just goes in these spells where they can't get out of their own way. And I think Gonzaga is a really good basketball team. You know, They match up even athletically with this North Carolina team, which is saying a lot. And I don't think we've been able to say that about many Gonzaga teams. I think Gonzaga wins this game and covers on the road at North Carolina. That's a tough pick for me to stomach, Kevin. It's the same thing you just talked about with Washington, traveling all the way across the country. This is a true home game for North Carolina. And coming off the game against Tennessee, you know that's expecting a lot from a team. So if I was throwing my own money on this, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. But since you're asking me the question, I like Gonzaga to cover. I, I'm going to go with North Carolina on this. I, th- I think Nazir Little hits a huge shot at the end of the game uh, to have North Carolina lose by six points. So. <laughs> That's a bad beat right there. Yep, exactly. Uh, I, I, like you said, I, I think the true home game uh, at North Carolina kind of gives them that, uh, that I think it will be a closer game than it probably should be. Then Tennessee, nine point, uh, nine point favorites at Memphis, the Penny, Penny Hardaway Memphis team. And what's that line, Kev? Nine points hmm. for Tennessee. Yeah, no, yeah. Boy, that's tough, man. That's tough because that's a huge rivalry. I mean, you go back to the Cal and Bruce Pearl days. I mean, those uh, you might remember that one year where they played at Tennessee and Memphis was one, Tennessee was two. Uh, but that rivalry is so strong and it's renewed, it's rejuvenated for the first time since Cal and Bruce Pearl were at those schools. Boy, I I tell you what, uh, I think I like Memphis. I'll I'll take the points, and I'll take the Memphis Tigers in that one. Yeah, I think that game also was the Wayne Chisholm Tennessee team. That's how I remember. Yeah, that's right, with the headband, dude. Correct, yep. Uh, I'm going with you on this. I'm taking Memphis with the points. I I think uh, Tennessee wins the game, uh, but I think Memphis covers. Now, Kevin, I know that the concept of, uh, you know, of picking lines and such is that Vegas is supposed to make it tough, but I'm going to commend you. I think that you picked three very, very difficult lines. Very difficult. Yeah, you think so? I do. Right. Very maybe much I, so. Maybe I'll start my own betting service and beat Vegas. Oh, I see. So you're just giving me those lines. So they're, they're not real lines. Reading these lines, correct? They're, they don't come out with these lines um, until like a day before these games. Okay, interesting. I don't know if that would have changed anything or if I just thought those were official lines, but eh, we're going with the picks as they stand. We'll take it. Um, and then Butler is playing Indiana uh, at Baker's Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, so a neutral site, and Indiana two-point favorites. Yeah, give me Butler right there. No other reason other than... That's a tough basketball team. I'm taking the Big East over the Big Ten right there. Indiana hasn't shown enough consistency quite yet. Uh, Butler's shown a way to win some big games in the final minute. Give me the Bulldogs right there. I'm going with you again on this one. I think uh, Butler wins outright. Um, I I don't think Indiana's that good of a team. It's kind of upset that they uh, beat Penn State, but 
uh, I think Butler is going to win this game outright. You looked upset. Or was that yeah. just you? Or you just don't want to be agreeing with me? That means you're going down the wrong path? Yeah, correct. <laughs> well, at least he's honest. Okay, so uh, anything else that's on your mind tonight, Kev? Anything else that we should hit before we get out of Dodge here tonight? I think I skipped it when we were doing the grades, but uh, you talked about Roundtree, and that, that's kind of uh, the, the bright point, I think, so far in the progress report is uh, how good he has looked. Um, and for what he does, he's been very consistent. Uh, I think the most consistent on the team. I agree with that. Totally agree. And I think Roundtree is going to be huge for them going forward. I think of him as a skinnier Daniel Ochefo in, in the fact that he came in, he could play a little bit of defense. He had absolutely no offensive game, but it's something that they're working on. He's got that little over the left shoulder with the right hand teardrop when he has one or two power dribbles, again, with the right hand to get into the lane. I don't see him doing anything with the left hand quite yet, but that's going to take time, and frankly, Ochefu never got there. I could see this being an Daniel Ochefu evolution, and I think that would be a good thing. I mean, anytime you have a Daniel Ochefu who was a key facet of a national championship team, and that's what we're looking at for Demir Cosby Roundtree, I think that's huge, and I think it's a very realistic expectation. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I mean, if that's, I, I think he could be better um, by the end of his career if he can develop correctly. Really? Better? So, I mean, does that, does he ever get as thick as Ochefu or what about him will be, will be better? I think um, just, not that he's quicker or anything, but uh, a little bit of harder worker and uh, that tenacity down low, um, I think could make the difference for him. Interesting. I, I, listen, I like that take. Um, I think time, time will obviously tell, not a rocket science statement there, but that's a good take. And I think that Roundtree is going to be key for this year as Villanova continues on because they really don't have that depth. The other guy we talked about, and I know that uh, two weeks ago Tom Trainer uh, lambasted us a little bit for not mentioning Sadiq Bey in our V's and O's. Listen, I'll mention him now. He's got to be the mer- most versatile defender on the team because Villanova doesn't have – that same depth in the front court that they've had in some of the years where they've won these national championships and when they've you know gone deep into the tournament. Uh, so I think this year is going to be absolutely essential that Demir Cosby Roundtree one stays in foul trouble, uh, out of foul trouble, and, and two, you know, is a consistent rebounding and shot blocking presence because Kevin, they just don't have the guys behind them. And if there is any type of issue, bringing it back to Sadiq Bay. Is Bay is that guy? Bay is that guy who's a couple inches shorter than the other team's biggest player, but he's strong enough. And as a freshman, I think Jay can give him the keys to take on the other team's best low post presence for you know a four to six minute spurt in a given half. And it's a, it's a tough spot to to put a freshman in, but uh, I, I think Bay is capable of doing that, and it's. I mean, he, he's going to be tested soon uh, with the, these games coming up and then the conference, uh, conference play starting. Good stuff, Kev. Great show here tonight. I certainly enjoyed having you. And we have a lot to look forward to. A game at the Plester tomorrow night, a game at Allen Fieldhouse next Saturday. And we'll be back to break it all down next week. Once again, he's Kevin McClernand in Baltimore. I am Bob Long here in Bluebell signing off and saying so long. We'll talk to everybody soon. Enjoy the basketball and enjoy those Villanova Wildcats going for their sixth straight 
Big Five Championship tomorrow night. Take care, everybody, and have a wonderful evening.